0: welcome to the c3 church podcast stay tuned for this week's message what a great worship team we've got here man oh man you guys are amazing thank you so much you just know how to hold an atmosphere hours of ministering yesterday at the young adults it was fantastic thank you so much we just love you and appreciate you come on let's give another clap shall we it's great to be in a place where it's wonderful worship it's great to be with you, and uh, we're going to have a tremendous time. Some of you want me just to teach on demons, but I've been asked to speak on uh, something else. It doesn't really matter because somehow they always seem to fly up. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at intimacy in prayer, and, uh, and I want to share some practical keys with you, things that help, things that help you engage. You know, we're, we're wired to be connected. Every person, you're going to connect with something. Either connect with God as the source of your life, or you'll find a substitute. Idolatry is just another name for having a substitute. And we've all got kind of stuff we substitute for God. And it's those substitutes that stop us experiencing the real. We're made to be connected to him. So I want to share something. Let's have a look in Psalm 27 and verse 4. Psalm 27 and verse 4. Intimacy is something you must pursue. We have moments when you feel real close to God moments when his presence is intense sometimes it's more intense we go to a conference we're there for a whole weekend and we can engage him at a a deeper awareness of his presence but I found that intimacy is a journey it's a journey of getting close to God it's a lifelong journey I've been married to my wife for over 40 years now and I'm still getting to know her (laughs) it's a journey and it's like that with God you don't arrive there's more of him to know And uh, I'm just loving this stage in my journey right now. Psalm 27 verse 4. This is written by the greatest king in Israel's history. This is no wussy man. This is someone who's a valiant warrior. And this is what he says. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In other words, David's saying, I have this engaging passion and number one priority in my life. And it's not how many places I can conquer. It's actually about a personal relationship with God, who is my friend. He's expressing his passion for God, his deep desire and love for God. This is a great king. He says, oh, I just love being with him. seems like a paradox that a guy who's a mighty warrior that never lost a battle, except a battle with lust, uh, uh, never lost any military battle. Here he is, and there's a side of him revealed. And he comes out and he says, I've just got this passion for God. And he learned and developed that passion when he was young. He developed it as a shepherd when he was alone and there was no one to talk to. And in that place of loneliness, where he felt rejected by his family, so despised literally within the family environment, that they didn't even consider bringing him in when the prophet came. They didn't even think of him. That tells you something about where he sat in the family line. And so he had this whole issue with loneliness as a younger person, And he found, or instead of becoming bitter in it, he turned it into an engagement with God out of which he begins to write out of his experiences. We'll look at Psalm 23 a little later, which is him writing out, this is what God is like for me. And uh, so Psalm 23. See. Intimacy is about being connected and having the feeling of being connected. You, you feel near. Today, you know, I don't know what, what it was like for you, but I can't get around. I, I hate it if I can't get on the internet. I kind of feel I've got to get connected. I'm sort of missing something. And so today people are on Facebook and Twitter and internet. And if you can't get on, it's like your life has stopped. I've got to get on. And yet in all of that, wherever we go, we find that The big and deep problem that people are having is how to be intimate, how to actually connect at a heart level so that there's a feeling of engagement, a feeling of connection. And a lot of what we see today is just a substitute for real heart connection. To connect and be intimate with God, it requires your heart engage with Him. It's not just about being in an atmosphere, which is wonderful because people have created it, but it's about your daily journey of engaging with Him. And so it's a pursuit. So number one thing you need to realize, I want to make intimacy with God my pursuit. It's not something that is static, it's always changing, sometimes closer, sometimes a little further, but on the whole, I want it to be an upward, I'm getting to know you more and delight in you. That was Paul's cry too. He said, oh, that I might know him. What, you're an apostle doing all these things, you don't know him? Oh, there's so much more to know. I want to feel his presence be near him, constantly engaging him. Let's have a look in James 4. And the same thing, James 4 and verse 8. Here's a fantastic promise. And it says here, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. There's an amazing promise. Now, the whole context of that is the conflict for your heart. If you read through the verses there, it refers to the world putting a pull on you and literally turning your heart so you become an adulterer with God. You're caught up with the same values, same lifestyle, same everything as the world, and yet you're trying to walk with God. It just doesn't work. He said it's kind of a form of adultery where you're out there trying to actually hold and possess everything everyone else wants, and you've lost or missed that a passionate relationship with God. That's what he's looking for. He's desiring that. So it talks in there in a few the verses about the pressure the world brings on us, pulling us, pulling for our attention all the time, talks about the pressure that demonic spirits bring this is what he says, if you'll submit to God or align your life right with God, you can resist the devil, he'll just flee from you, you can deliver yourself You can actually break out of the bondages that have come if you'll align with heaven and make it your pursuit to draw near to God and actively resist the things that would steal that intimacy. Draw near to me, I will draw near to you. There's a clear promise. It's not conditional anyway. You draw near, I'll draw near. So God makes it really clear that if I'll pursue him, I will find him over and over. If you will seek me with all your heart, in other words, it's not like having little, a little casual prayer. It's saying, God, I want to connect in a deep and personal way. It becomes a passion. I'll show you what you can do that'll awaken that in your life. So every one of us, doesn't matter whether you're in ministry, whether you're in business, whether you're in government education, everyone faces pressure on you for your heart. Whatever's got your heart has got your life. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart, guard your affections, guard what is going on in your inner life, for out of that flows the issues of your life. Or literally, the boundaries and borders of the life you're experiencing is determined by what you've got going on inside your heart. And the place your heart begins to engage God when we get into worship and intimacy, it's about the heart connecting with him. My innermost being, my spirit man on the inside. So how am I going to develop intimacy? How can I grow in that area? How could I shift from where I am now? It doesn't matter what stage you're in or whatever you're in in your personal life right now, you could make a decision that your life is going to shift in terms of your relationship with God. And what I have observed is this. That those who will pursue him, they find him. Those who will make God a pursuit in their life, discover him, and their life is different. This year, God's been speaking to me about being at rest and learning how to rest in the midst of storms and difficulties and how to have peace. And so I'm glad that almost every day this year, I've started to experience the peace that God gives that enables you to be in turmoils and conflicts and uncertainties, and yet God is there. It comes out of intimacy. It's something he says, I will give you. I give it to you. My peace I give to you. So let's have a look then at some simple keys. Number one, number one, and here it is, prioritize your time. Prioritize your time. If I want to see what's important in your life, just have to look at your diary, and I can see where your time's going. Have a look at your wallet, see where your money's going, put them together, and we've got what's important in your life. That's how you see what's important to people, where their time, where their finances go. So notice in Mark, let's read in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. Mark 1 verse 35. And uh, Jesus, uh, you think you're busy? <laughs> he had crowds. He would wake up and the crowds were gathering. You know, he was thronged wherever he went. I mean, he just was a magnet for people. And they all had one thing in mind. I've got a need and I want you to meet it. So wherever he went, he was literally thronged. Some days he was so busy, they couldn't even stop to eat. They were so busy. He had pressure, tension, stress. Even his friends would, re- would contact him and say, you need to come now. Drop what you're doing, come now. Lazarus, your friend. He had pressure all the time. He understands what pressure is like. So notice how he handled it. In the morning, having risen a long way before daylight, a long way before daylight, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And there he prayed. You can't develop intimacy without time with God. You can't do it. You just can't do it. And that's what Jesus did while it was yet dark, long time before the light came up. He's out there and he's in a place of prayer. First thing I thought about that was this. I wonder how he woke up. And when I got a clock, I set the alarm, beep, 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 wake up, time to get up, time to meet with God. How did he do it? You see, there there was actually, his whole life was aligned around, I can't do what I do unless I engage with God. If if I, if I try this in my own strength, I will fail. I, I need the power of the Spirit. I need connection with God to do what I'm going to do. So I think he just went to bed, and he just speak, body, wake up. Now, of course, uh, at home, you can wake up at 5.30 and be still dark. But here, 5.30, I go out to the beach there. Goodness me, there's people out there swimming and surfing, all kinds of things. 5.30, they're out there. I had to be really early, but I got about called to 5 in order to get out and beat everyone so many people. So I found in, in Sydney here, it's an interesting culture. I haven't seen so many men in lycra in a long time. All out there on the beach in the morning, biking and walking and huffing and puffing and listening to stuff. I've seen people out there with their trainers at quarter to six in the morning. Got a trainer out there on the beach, two girls, one trainer. I think, whoa, look at that. And people out there walking their dogs and animals. And I wondered, wow, you've got to be up early here to beat the crowd at the beach. It's a priority. It's actually making a decision, I'm gonna rise and God is gonna get the first and the very best of my life. And it's actually quite practical too. What I've noticed is this, is that in the spirit world when people rise, everything starts to get busy. And you notice that when it's still dark, it's actually incredibly quiet at that time in the morning very, very quiet. There's a quietness that greatly facilitates engaging God. And so Jesus made it a habit to get up. Think about this. How did Judas know where to find him? He had a habit of praying in a garden. He made a habit. He built a lifestyle of prayer so much so that when his enemies wanted to find him, they knew exactly where to find him at a certain time. He was there as was his habit. He was in the place of prayer. He had a, he had patterns built in structures built in his life to hold up the uh, and strengthen him for the tremendous demand that rested on him. And I know, and Sydney you have tremendous pressures on you of all kinds, every kind of area. One thing is learn from Jesus: rise, make it a priority. I'm going to get alone with God. I'm going to build a time with God. Notice he rose a long time before daylight, went out into a solitary place, and there he prayed. You need to get alone away from the cell phone, away from distractions, in a place which is peaceful. And you've got to find what that is for you. For me, we live right on the edge of the country, and I found a place, I've got a track, and so it's a bike, one of these cycling tracks goes for miles, I can walk for miles if I chose to, but I choose to walk about an hour. And so I found it incredibly helpful, I get out there, it's a straight pass, I can close my eyes and just begin to meditate and wait on God and speak in, in prayer, and I begin to find Him there. And I have found, while initially it was a bit of a challenge, it's come to the stage now, almost every place I go, I look for a place to walk first thing in the morning before everyone's up. Sometimes it's in the hotel around the big circuit around inside, sometimes it's outside around the street. Perth, it was down there, there was I found a track by a railway line and I could go there and meet with God. Have my meeting with him. When I go, get to get out of travel and come home, the first thing I wanna do is get up and meet with God. See, you'll find that what starts off as a discipline and something you need to build into your life becomes something you don't ever want to do without. And in fact, if you haven't got it, you start to feel, oh my, I'm missing God. I I need to get out there and have my time again. so, So prioritize your time. Set some time that works for your schedule. Everyone's got to work that out for themselves. Make it a place which is free of distractions. Nothing's going to get in your way. I sometimes will have it in a room at home, and I usually play uh, what I call uh, just instrumental music, violin music, because it builds an atmosphere, makes it very easy to worship God, very easy to encounter Him. So if it's at all possible, build an environment or find an environment where intimacy is possible. You think about this, a husband and wife, they're going to be intimate, normally close the door. There's nothing worse to your intimacy as a husband and wife as having children burst into them. (laughs) Get out of here. You know, you want to be alone if you're going to be intimate. You can pray anytime, but to be intimate with God, it involves exposing your heart and your feelings and engaging with them. You need to have a place you can be alone, a place where you can enter a world of privacy with God. So that's number one, prioritize time alone. Prioritize. Now think about that. What will you do to prioritize time tomorrow? See, today, you're going to get a challenge to actually engage God at a deeper level and a consistent level in your life. It'll shift your life, I guarantee it, not straight away. It's like when you're trying to get fit, you go out there to get fit, you make a decision, man, I'm out of shape, I need to get fit. So you go down and you start doing some running. Now the first day, you're <laughs> oh, I've had it. The next day, you've still got this good motivation, I'm going to get out, and you go a little bit further. Third day, you're aching. Oh, maybe I'll miss a day. Yeah, i just sleep in today. I'll pick it up again tomorrow. Tomorrow comes, oh, I'm still aching. But here's the thing, you gotta get over the ache. You just, if you just make the decision, it doesn't matter if my body's aching, I'm getting up again, I'll get up again, I'll get up again, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll build the habit in, and then after a while, your body adjusts. Then it gets to like it, and after a while, instead of puffing by the time you get to the gate, you're doing quite a good distance. You know, I'm exhausted. I better go back inside. <laughs> See, So you, your body will change if you will just develop that consistent pattern of doing it. Same will happen with you spiritually. You, be, you begin to push out the boundaries on what you can do in prayer. Begin to push out the boundaries. Push it out. And eventually, after a while, you'll start to find you're enjoying your times with God. You're experiencing. It's actually you've got to sow to your spirit in order to reap. It just doesn't happen straight away. The idea? Okay, so here's the second key. Second important key I found has really helped me. Found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Why do I need to pray in the Spirit? Pray in tongues. Speak in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 14 says this. It says, when you pray in the Spirit, my Spirit is praying. You're not doing something with your mind, your spirit has a voice, your spirit man has eyes, your spirit man has ears. You have a capacity for interacting with the spirit world from your spirit. When you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit who's connected to your spirit starts to give language to you to utter. And what happens is your spirit begins to arise on the inside. If I'm going to experience God, there's a big difference between meeting God spirit to spirit and just being in a melancholic mood. A lot of people mistake just being in a melancholic, soulish mood for connecting with God. Ah, feel good. Now, it's, more, it's not about feeling good. It's about your spirit arising in a flow of life. It's the Holy Spirit's work to reveal Jesus to you. It's the Holy Spirit's role to speak to you. And one of the gifts God gives is the ability to energize and arise in our spirit to actually open up and engage and let a flow of God through us. So when you're praying in tongues, your spirit starts to energize. You begin to start to arise on the inside, and you begin to break. Through through the hindrance that your body and your soul sometimes can be. So I found a powerful thing to do is strong praying in the spirit, get your body moving so that your spirit is arising. Now, does that make you intimate with God? No, it doesn't. It prepares for it. It just prepares for intimacy. Intimacy is much more quiet and tender, and it's a connecting and a communicating But before that happens, you've got to recognize that your body resists intimacy with God, your soul resists intimacy with God, demonic spirits around you will resist you being intimate, and the pressure and demand of time and all the things to do will all crowd in to try and steal that from you. There's a a story of Mary and Martha, and uh, they got into, Martha got into quite a state of agitation, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha, one thing is needed. Mary chose it. Now, I'm not going to take that away from it. It's the coming into a place of being uh, open to and attentive to and hearing God for yourself. It's wonderful to hear anointed messages, but God wants to talk to you personally. He wants you to say, I've heard God speak to me today. God has been talking to me about my life. How wonderful it would be in church if we came every week and our spirit is alive because we'd be meeting with God. We come in instead of the musicians having to carry the whole meeting, we come in and there's something in us already risen up. We've been walking with God this week. We have something to contribute. So praying in tongues will stir your spirit up. So when you begin to pray in tongues, boldly. The Bible says come boldly to God. Enter his presence boldly. He welcomes you to come. So as you start your praying, don't sort of, oh, dear Jesus, please, I've had such a bad life. No, he invites you, come boldly. We're, in our home, our children come boldly into our presence. They don't sort of come, oh, can I just talk with you? And They don't come like that. Just burst turn, leap on the bed and bounce. When they're young, the grandchildren do that now. See, come boldly into the presence of God. Do you need mercy that's where you find it but come boldly because God makes his mercy if you failed he's made mercy already available so come boldly the thing that will stop you coming boldly is that you've been slack and you're condemned by it or you've got failure and you condemn but God says don't let that stuff sit on you I just want to get near you come boldly believe believe I really want you to come near to me he made a he paid a huge price for us to get near to him so there's absolutely no doubt day by day that he wants me to get near to him every day and so what will happen is the pressure of condemnation or guilt or lack all kinds of things pushes to kind of drop you down so you just get in your soul rather than rising up oh holy ghost let's rise up together i'm entering the presence of my father right now and let your spirit be stirred you can do that so when you pray in tongues 1 corinthians 14 verse 2 it says you're speaking to god so there's a language flow of the spirit language flow your whole spirit starts to energize and here's another thing that happens It says, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, illuminating the inner parts. So if my spirit gets energized, then I start to receive revelation. That's how it happens. It starts to trigger a flow of God speaking. It's the overflow of you speaking in tongues. God wants to flow into your life. Here's, a, here's another key, a very, very simple key. Notice in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14, it says, When you pray in tongues, that your mind is unfruitful. How many notice that? How many, when you find when you're praying, your mind wanders? You know, I see people of their fragrance going like this and they look really good, you know. Kind of going like this, ba ba looks good. But then if you could just get inside their head, you'd find it'd be something like this going on. Oh, I'm really hungry. Mm. Some chicken would be really nice. Lovely fried chicken. ba ba ba, so Oh yes. Ah, oh, chicken. Oh, I can oh must smell it now. I can see myself. they by the beach, chicken and a beer. Now, there's not much connecting with God going on when that's happening. Yeah, and that happens far more than we'd like to admit. Far more than we'd like to admit. In other words, the problem with your mind is it flitters like a butterfly. It goes here, goes there, goes all over the place. And so I need to do something to, to, in, to hold my mind in a place of being connected. And that's where meditation or using your imagination. So here's a key. As you pray, meditate, use your imagination to see who it is you're engaging. I'll give you some practical things on that in a moment. So here's, let me just give you an illustration of this. How many of you have been talking to someone and then they switched off? Eyes glazed over. They just... Oops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what was that again? Uh, how many of you had that experience? Anyone had that experience? Okay. How many of you could feel it happen before you noticed it happened? See? You could feel it happen. So here's the question. How did you feel that? And here's how you felt it. Because when, when we're in communication and speaking, there's a flow comes from our spirit. And when the person's receiving, you can feel the flow and you feel it going into them. You feel the draw. The moment they disconnect, you feel the flow stop. They literally break the connection. And how do they break the connection? Quite simple. Their mind just goes somewhere else. As soon as the mind goes somewhere else and starts to think about something else, the relational connection breaks immediately. So in prayer, a vital part of intimacy is that I stay connected with my mind. I've got to get my thoughts engaged with the prayer process, or I will disconnect. And the result of disconnection is you go through the motions of praying, but you don't feel engaging God at all. You actually feel, oh, I've done my bit, but that wasn't much, and I wonder where God was and all of that, and oh, well, I'll get up tomorrow, I suppose. But after a while, it'll all fizz out, because without the connection, you'll find you don't get the reviving and the life come. So it's the connection. So you notice then, if I'm connecting with a person, I've got to be attentive. I've got to give them my attention. That means you literally focus on. Your thoughts and attention upon the person. And what that means is you eliminate distractions. So, for most of us, as we begin to pray and try to be intimate with God, our mind remembers lots of things. Our mind is very, very busy. Our mind goes here, then it's there, then it's over there, then you're thinking about something, and then there's some other thing coming, you think, ooh, where did that come from? And and, and you're all over the place. And the net result is no connection and intimacy. You're just going through the process of prayer. So once you understand that, you realize that to become intimate, I need to give my full attention. I need to let my heart and mind flow towards the person. Quite simply. And one of the simple biblical keys to do that is to use your imagination to see. In, in Ephesians 1.18, it talks about the eyes of your heart. So your imagination is the part of you that enables you to imagine, to picture, to see, to see to see what has yet to come, to see what is here what is not here, but it's real. So for example, when I'm away, I can close my mind and imagine my wife. She's not physically with me, but in my imagination, I can see and see her and use my imagination to see and connect in my heart. Now, what's got your imagination will determine how intimate you can be with God. Think about that. That's why today, So many people are struggling in intimacy because they've got so much stuff has invaded either traumas, leaving traumatic pictures, or just the invasion of internet stuff, pornography, and literally it pollutes the whole imagination, the screen part, which is where God communicates with you. Think about this. When God spoke, when Jesus spoke in Acts chapter, or Peter spoke in Acts chapter 2, he said, Spirit of God will come on you, and, and you will have dreams And visions. So, where do you get the dreams and where do you get the visions? You get them in your imagination. In other words, your imagination is a receptor place for interacting with God. Think about that. So God, who is a spirit, communicates in our spirit, but the place that we engage with that is when these thoughts and pictures come into our imagination. So if I'm going to hear God, it'll be spontaneous thoughts and pictures coming into the mind. So in prayer, I have learned that meditation deeply helps you in stay engaged and focused and coming into a place of connection with God. And you'll find this all through the Bible. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says we're to look to Jesus. So in prayer, one of the things I found that's been the most helpful apart from the praying in the spirit is using my imagination to picture engaging with him. Now what happens is initially you use your imaginations like priming the pump and then gradually as you yield and let your heart flow to the Lord, the spirit of God makes it come alive. I'll give you an example. Uh, some, some years ago, I was really struggling with an issue of feeling rejected. I had certain belief structures in my heart that had, and certain hurts that had been there from when I was very, very young. And someone said this to me, a great preacher, Aussie preacher, and this is what he said. He said, if you knew that by working on one issue that the rest of your life would be different, would it not be worth doing it, even if it took six months? And God spoke into my heart. That was for me. And I thought, I need to deal with this thing of rejection. Because every time I come near to the presence of God, the overwhelming feelings I have are of not being good enough. Of not being acceptable. Or that God is nowhere near me. In other words, I was conscious inside of being distant from everyone. And what I need to do is shift that. And the Lord said, this is how you do it. Really simply, you just stir up in prayer, and then you begin to meditate. And so I began to meditate. And I just took Psalm 23. Now, when you read Psalm 23, uh, very simply, it says like this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, here's the thing about your mind. Your mind does not relate to an abstract. It relates to something concrete. So if you want to come and say, I'm going to connect with God, it's too abstract. So God made himself visible in the person of Jesus Christ. So go to the scripture and have a look what it says about what Jesus is like. You can read it in the the Transfiguration, you can read it in Revelation one, or you can read it in various places in the Bible. So I just took Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Now what you gotta understand about Psalm 23 is not just a nice prayer they read at a funeral. It's far more than that. This is about a man who spent years as a shepherd. He lived the flock with the flock. He was committed to the flock. He slept with them. He defended them. He took them out and fed them. He anointed them. He put oil on them to to get them healed. Uh, This was a man whose life was tied up with sheep. He lived with them, protected them, all these kind of things. And so he says, The Lord God Almighty, I have made my shepherd and my friend. For him, he's actually describing a picture. The whole of Psalm 23 is really a picture of how God interacts and relates with us. So I just thought, well, if God is my friend, because that's what shepherd means, what would it be like to meet your friend? What would that look like? I found I needed to get a picture. Now, some people struggle with this, but I found it was really helpful. I found that if Jesus is my friend, which he is, he is the friend of sinners. He's the friend of each one of us. And I was to meet with him. What would that look like? How would he be? So I began to imagine his eyes. Now, if you ever meet with a friend, you know, you meet with Chris. Come on, just imagine meeting with Chris. Now, this is what you meet with. There's a big smile. His eyes are wide and full of joy. There's a smile on her face. She's always open. She's very happy to see you. Isn't that right? Well, why would Jesus be much different from that? He, he has paid the price for us to be intimate with him. So I found it was really helpful in praying in the spirit to begin to meditate. Then Jesus see him standing just before me. I begin to meditate and see his eyes blazing fire, wow, full of passion and love, looking right into me and loving and accepting me. And I'd see that and hold that in my gaze. I see his face shining bright, full of life, and the biggest grin I've ever seen, happy to see me. And I would. Hold that picture. I begin to see his body language, and reaching out, holding on to me. And I begin to begin to pray in the Spirit. Lord, I thank you. I reach out and connect with you. Lord, I reach out. I love you. And instead of it being some kind of general vague thing, actually, I'm engaging with how the Bible reveals him. And I found initially, this is what happened initially. Initially, the beliefs in my heart were so strong about not being near God or not being near anyone, that I would find it felt like there was a struggle going on. And I could literally feel the struggle that what I was seeing and reaching out to believe that this is the truth, was there was something in my heart reacting to it. And so I just kept it every day. Every day I'd just make it my purpose. I'd go through 23rd Psalm, one part of it, every part of it, some parts of it. But the biggest thing was to engage. This is Jesus. He's my friend. Oh, my friend. And I love him. I love you, Jesus. I begin to see and reach out and pray in the Spirit. Let my heart flow. And I found I could hold my attention on him longer and longer and longer. And then one day, I just connected with him. I I had to understand it it was like the room flooded and I felt his love I felt intimate I felt close I felt loved. I cried and cried and wept and wept and wept and for weeks after if I ever just even shared the 23rd Psalm with anyone they would cry too there was like an engagement that became something spiritually written into my life so your encounters with God whether they're deep or small or however they are write something into you that gives you something to bring others into Amen. So better finish. We're getting near the end on this. So very, very powerful picture as you pray, focus your attention, and then flow with love towards this one you see. And eventually it takes on a life of its own. Uh, Another thing I found really helpful in developing intimacy with God is to literally present each part of myself to him. Present your bodies, the Bible says, Romans 12, 1. Present your body. What does that mean? I say, well, Lord, you have made me spirit, soul, and body. Lord, I just present my spirit to you today. Every faculty of my spirit. Lord, I surrender it to you in love. I yield the eyes of my spirit, the ears of my spirit, and the feelings and the thoughts of my spirit. The sense, I yield everything. to. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. And I take each part of my and what I found as I would do that, I would found that I'd become aware, for example, when you start to present your heart and affections. You start to become aware, oh, I feel a bit condemned about that. I need to put that right. And so I found as I would yield different parts of my life to the Lord, I become conscious. I could begin to speak over them my desire. Lord, I love you with all my heart and soul. Lord, I set my affections upon you today. Heart, turn from that. Turn to the God who loves you. I found I could start to direct the different parts of my life into unity and alignment with Him. wasn't very hard, it was very quite easy. Your eyes, any of the things you see, what have you been looking at? We well, you know when you come to direct your eyes, Lord, I yield my eyes to You. The eyes of my inner man, my imagination. You suddenly become aware. Well, I need to be cleansed. I've seen some things this week. I need to be cleansed from. Lord, just cleanse my eyes right now as I present them to You. I thank You, Lord. I see You clearly. Lord, I yield my ears to you. Lord, I heard negative things. Lord, I just ask you to forgive me for listening to those things. Lord, I yield my ears to you. Today I hear your voice clearly. You can literally align yourself and engage very intimately with them. For many people, there's quite a struggle in this area. So intimacy, as I say, is a journey. The first thing about it to realize is that if you're willing to draw near, he will draw near to you. But in the journey coming near to him, you become aware of the junk that you need to face in your life. Intimacy is a journey, it's a journey of opening up our hearts and lives in deeper and deeper measures. And so, areas of are block. So, for example, if you had a lot of sexual relationships, your heart will be scattered and you'll find it quite hard to get focused. You may need to ask the Lord to cleanse you and unite your heart and, and break all the ties and attachments. You may find that you've got deep offenses in your heart. And as you come near to Him, you start to become aware of those things. So, when you say, God, I just recognize there's these things there, Lord. Show me where it is. Show me who it is I'm offended at. You may find that you're very angry. God doesn't mind about you being angry. He just wants you to work with him and let him help you to deal with it. Anger is just to demand people put something right. He wants you to learn to forgive. So you may find that in your journey of intimacy, that as you come into his presence, he makes you aware. I don't think you've got to fix everything up. I'd say he just says, come boldly into my presence. But in the coming in, you start to find the stuff. If you've been hooked into pornography, you find those images will keep coming back. The Holy Spirit will start to show you this is stealing your capacity to be intimate. It's an enemy and a thief. Now, it's a huge difference someone telling me, listen, this is bad for you, don't do it, to me, hungering for intimacy with God and finding it's a distraction I don't want anymore. See, the motivation now is different. And so you begin to start to shift your thinking. Lord, I just speak into the, into the whole neuron tracks in my brain. I curse those tracks that would take me down that path. Lord, I see myself intimate with you. And start to build new paths in your mind and new pathways in your imagination of encountering God. See, it's, it's not like a, a rocket science. It's actually relatively quite simple. But most people don't take time to think and process through things. So your heart can have blocks. It can have trauma pictures, it can have unforgiveness, it can have bitterness, it can have a whole range of things that affect your capacity to be intimate. So as you set the journey of intimacy, God will start to show you where the blocks are and one by one you deal with them. And then you find greater freedom, greater liberty, greater enjoyment of God. The last part of it, we'll just finish with this one here because we're really run out of time already. And that's this one here in Habakkuk 2 and verse 2. He said, I'll set myself upon my watch and I will see what the Lord will say to me. In other words, learn to listen for the voice of God. He, he would, God would speak to him through, he would see things. So God speaks to us all in different kind of ways. One of the ways is through pictures. I have found that uh, if you're going to be intimate with God, it's a two-way deal. You have to listen. So have a pad and journal. Write the things down God gives you. As your heart goes quiet, listen to Him. Listen for pictures. Listen for thoughts. I found journaling a very, very good way to just journal and write out and begin to just let God speak to you. and, And through the writing, you just begin to write out, Holy Spirit, just speak to me. Another way is just to sit with the Word of God and allow the Word of God to minister to the heart. How do you do that? Holy Spirit, speak to me. So I just look, and I just look, look, and I'm looking for something that will quicken to my attention, and as soon as I get that, I'll then just draw all attention on that. Lord, what is it you want to say? In other words, you're just inquiring. It's a very relational process. It's not a hard process. It's something all could do. It's something you could do. Your life would change. Imagine your life if every day you're aware of God, you're in his presence. You know what i found is once you've actually learned to break through into the presence of God consistently, you can do it anywhere, anytime in about one minute. You can just stop, car stopped at the lights. Oh, Lord, I just, and drop into your spirit. Thank you, Lord, you're here. Your presence is filling the car. And just begin to meditate quietly and pray in tongues quietly. And suddenly feel his presence come. How wonderful to carry his presence to be a carrier of revival, to be intimate with God and to know him and experience him, to be able to bring him to others. Don't get worrying about the big experiences people have. Just get on a journey where you're going to deepen yours. Don't worry about, I got caught up into heaven and saw angels, all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. You just build your intimacy with him and let your life show the fruit of it. You say amen. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church podcast. Visit us online at myc3church.net Join us next time for more great teaching.